episode 182. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I'm absolutely delighted to have you join me today. I hope that you have settled well into the beginning of the school year. My daughter's had her first week. She will be going back this week to find out who her teacher is for this year and find out which class she is in because last week she was still in the same the same class as last year because they were still organizing classes. So I'm not sure yet at the time of this recording who her teacher is and if she likes her and if she's with her friends, but she's you know, quite happy to be back so far. So <laughs> first three days, so far, so good. I hope that your children have settled in to school as well. And I just wanted to give all my love to those of you who have kids starting or had kids starting this year, just starting school in general, like in kindy or prep or whatever you call it in your state or country. It's such a big milestone and it's a real challenge for single mothers. I know that for me, I really struggled with it. So I'll actually link to a blog post that I wrote. I'll put it in the show notes, the link. And that is something that I wrote at the beginning of 2018 when my daughter first started school. So I hope you find that helpful if you're in the same boat because I know I really struggled. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who has recently left a review and there's some, been some really lovely ones lately. So thank you so much. I wanted to read out this one from Sing For Me in Australia who wrote... I love this podcast so much. Hi, Julia. I just wanted to drop you a line to say how much I love your podcast. I listen to it religiously. I have been separated from my five-year-old son's dad for one and a half years now. I have been on the journey to become a single mum by choice with donor sperm for about six months. I haven't had any luck with IUI so far, so I'm about to start IVF. Anyway, I just thought I would throw it out there that I'd absolutely love to hear you interview more single mums by choice, if possible. Thank you for all that you do for us single mums. It really is great. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for leaving that review. And funnily enough, today's podcast episode is a continuation of episode 158, which was last year, 2019. It was the episode that I recorded when it was this podcast's third birthday. And I talked about the beginning of my journey, my own single mother by choice journey. And I wanted to carry on that discussion today. So thank you for that. But um, also, you know, if you are a single mother by choice, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you because I love sharing stories on the podcast. So if you want to share your story, anyone who's a single mom by choice and you want to share where you're at, please come on. I'd love to talk to you. And, you know, as this, and this reviewer, and I'm sure there's many others similar, would love to hear the same. So best of luck in your journey. And, you know, if a little while ago, I wouldn't have really known that much about IVF and IUI, but now I do. So good luck with it all. And please keep in touch and let us know how you're going with it. 
And if you are a regular listener and you haven't yet left a review, I would love to hear from you. I'd love you to leave a review. It makes the podcast easier for people to find. And it's very simple. All you have to do is go to the show in your Apple podcast app or whichever app you listen in on tap on write a review. And if you don't have a few minutes to write a review, even just tapping on the stars makes a really big difference. And you can subscribe while you're there and you will never miss an episode. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. As I said, I'm talking all about IVF, IUI, single mothering by choice. So let's get into it. Okay, my lovely. So As I said before, you know, in episode 158, I was kind of talking a little bit about my decision that I'd made to become a single mother by choice. And if you haven't listened, maybe go back and have a quick listen to that. I think I'm talking about it from about 20 minutes in. So you don't have to listen to all of it if you don't want to. I talked about, you know, my desire to have more children. I talked about how I'd spoken to my ex about sperm. I talked about how I asked a friend for sperm and how that turned out. I talked about how I always thought becoming a single mother by choice with donor sperm wasn't an option until I met a lovely lady on a cruise that I went on with my daughter at the beginning of 2019, and she really changed my mindset on that. I talked about meeting my fertility specialist doctor who works for IVF Australia and how the universe kept putting her in front of me. And I took that as a sign as in go and see her. You've been talking about this, thinking about this for a long time, just do it. So yeah, it was a, you know, I filled you in kind of a bit on the backstory. And I also shared the first appointment that I made with IVF and talking to them on the phone about it. And I talked about what my first appointment was like. And I talked about some tests and all that sort of thing. I talked about the sperm donor wait list, which in New South Wales is six to eight months long. At least it was in the middle of last year. And I talked about how I wanted to do that at the end of the year. And I had planned to do it at the end of November because I thought I'll give myself a little bit more chance to date. And then what I'll do is I'll put myself on the list before the end of the year. Easy, right? So guess what happened then? I met an amazing man. I know, who would have thought? (laughs) The universe, I swear, is messing with my mind. It's like, here's Raywin, here's Raywin. That's the fertility specialist. Here's Raywin, you know. And then, oh, by the way, just before you do that, here's a man. So anyway, (laughs) I talked about this man who is now my boyfriend officially uh, a little bit at the beginning of the year. I think in the first episode of this year, I can't remember exactly when I talked about him, but anyway, he, um, he's amazing and, you know, things are going really well. And, um, so now I'm obviously rethinking this whole single mothering by choice. Obviously I don't know yet exactly how this relationship is going to play out, but I have decided that I am willing to take the risk of waiting for another year or so if I have to, because I do know that my boyfriend would be happy to have another child, maybe two, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, he's, I've already mentioned he's, got, he's already got kids of his own, but we have talked about it and he'd be happy to have another child, potentially even two. And I really, I really love him, you know, so... <laughs> I hope I'm not making a huge mistake, but 
I, I feel confident in just waiting it out. I do want to do it properly. As I mentioned in that episode as well, in episode 158, I do want to get married first. If I met the right person, I do want to get married first. And then, you know, basically do what I didn't do last time. Let's just see what happens. I don't know. But in the meantime, I do actually want to share the next part of this journey that I took because it has been requested and I promised it and I don't want to miss out any part of my journey because you know what, one day I will have a baby and whether that's with this boyfriend or a different boyfriend or through IVF or through IUI, whatever happens, it's all part of my journey and I want to continue sharing it with you. So I'm going to share this appointment with you that I promised, which is my second appointment that I had with Ray Wintini from IVF Australia. And then I'm going to share what happened in my first counseling session. So I'm going to stop talking. I've kind of given you a bit of an update and in case you missed episode 158. And like I said, it's probably worth going back and taking a quick listen just for like those 15 minutes at about the 20 minute mark just to fill you in. And um, I'm really excited to share this next part. So the audio is not ideal because I wasn't set up properly and I was in a you know doctor's office, but <laughs> I hope you enjoy it and find it very informative and, or I don't know, educational or whatever. And if you're thinking about doing the same thing, I really hope it helps you as well. And thank you so much to Dr. Raymond Tierney for allowing me to record our private consultation. Anyway, uh, let's come into the doctor's office with me and let's listen to that second appointment that we had. It's the 8th of May 2019 and I'm about to go see Dr. Ray Wintini for my second appointment. And I'm kind of excited because today is the day that I'm going to discuss my fertility levels, I think, and, you know, just talk a little bit more about the process because it's such a big decision. I'm feeling less nervous than I was for the first one, but yeah, it's still kind of scary and I still just feel a little bit disappointed, I guess, that I don't know, I've never met the right person and, you know, it's... It's something that I keep coming back to, the fact that I would just love to have a baby with somebody when I'm in a really good, healthy, strong, loving relationship, and I haven't experienced that. So yeah, it's kind of hard, I guess, to come to terms with and to realize that if I do decide to go ahead with this journey by myself using donor sperm, probably closing the door to that ever happening because by the time the baby is born, I'm probably going to be 38 and I don't know, it doesn't leave a lot of time to really meet someone and have a great relationship, but I'm kind of in the same situation now too. Anyway, let's go see Raywin and see what she says. Well, Julia, thanks for coming today. Thank you yeah. for having me back. I'm really excited, actually, to check everything out. Yeah, good, good, good. And so the plan is really to come back today to review your results. Yes, because I did that, um, the hormone level That's right. Blood so test. you've done hormone testing. And thanks for bringing in your scans. Is that enough, I've had though? Look at. Yes. Because I don't know if that gives it's, the information that you it, need. It gives it some information, but we'll need to go and organise for further testing. Yeah. But um, but that's for that, and also, I mean, you're on you're on the wait list. 
I'm on what wait list? No, the spam one. Not yet. I'm not. I'm not, not yet. yet. We're waiting at We're, the moment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Correct. See what. The, Yes. what's happening all right so anyway so you're back for results and the first thing is actually your hormones are very good are they yes so your anti-malarian hormone which is uh measures your what we call ovarian reserve was 15.3 and this is what it should be 15 point around 14 15 right and what so what is the scale of that usually yeah well it's uh, interestingly it doesn't mean you got 15 eggs <laughs> Like so you still have period. you still have hundreds of thousands of eggs left. Okay. But it's kind of a number. It's it's we measure a hormone that's actually made by your eggs. Mm-hmm. So anti-malarian hormone uh, is made by the small eggs in your ovary, mm-hmm. and it gets secreted in your bloodstream. And luckily, we can pick up that level. Um, and so we've got this algorithm through age, and it's all based on age. Yeah. And basically, it. As you get older, the AMH level drops with age. Right. And a level greater than 35 is a very high level. Yeah. We tend to see it as some woman with polycystic ovaries or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Or someone who's very fertile. Or, or someone who's very fertile, that's correct. Right, okay. And levels below 5 are very low. Yeah. And often we see this in women who are older. Mm-hmm. Women levels lower than 1, we tend to see that around perimenopause. And is that like you have no hope, basically? That's right, yes. You're really running out of eggs okay. then. So and how so quickly does it decrease? Like what, if you were to look at um, like a graph, if it's 15.3 now, yep. what would it be this time next year, say? It would probably only be, it could still be 15, or it could be 14.7. Okay, so it's not going to no, hugely... No, not yeah. at all, no. Although what we do find, when you get to around 37, 38, it, it does drop quite significantly then okay okay 37 38 yeah 37 around 37 38 we see a significant drop oh god you yeah. don't like this time pressure thing oh look it's a bugger isn't it being a woman <laughs> i know tell me about it but um age is the most important factor for women and getting pregnant yeah okay and it's the age of your egg okay it is so but your levels are actually very good at 15.3 yeah. And that's reassuring. Okay. Okay. So I would still be, that. does that mean I would be a candidate for the IUI? Is yes. that kind of what we're looking yes, at? Yes, you are. Yeah. You would be a candidate for the IUI. Yeah. Definitely. If your level was really low at your age, then we'd be worried that you'd be running out of eggs and we'd probably be considering IVF to speed things along. Yeah. Okay. All right. But 15.3 is actually very good level yeah it's a very normal level for your age and also your other hormone tests that we did i checked you for ovulation and you are ovulating mm-hmm. all right so that's a good sign excellent and we checked for something called which was the te- which was that one it's progesterone ovulation. it's the hormone progesterone is that a blood thing it is right, so it's okay. all in that same blood test that you had oh okay so and ovulating is normal so you're ovulating that's right your progesterone level is very good we checked for something called fsh follicle stimulating hormone and that was at a low level which it should be for your age i get really bad um just speaking about ovulation really bad ovulation pain is that normal it can be normal yes it's called middle schmerz middle schmerz yes and <laughs> right. not every woman feels ovulation pain yeah i get it really badly like okay. i feel like i can yes. tell which ovary yeah. the egg is being released from okay yeah <laughs> well look that. um at least it shows you're ovulating, so that's another sign of ovulation. But it's ovulation. not a problem. It's not a problem. Yeah. Occasionally women might, with endometriosis, mm. 
may have that condition where they can feel fluid or you know released from their ovary however many women do have this ovulation pain called middle schmerz okay right um and it can be an indication for some women when they're timing sexual intercourse Mm -hmm. as well yeah okay um but your hormone levels are good so we look at your follicle stimulating hormone level and that's with a normal range and same your progesterone which showed that you've been ovulating so these are all good cool yeah we check to make sure you're not anemic yes because that's really important related to fertility and you're not anemic you've got a normal hemoglobin level at 137 so this is all good Excellent. and I check for a marker for endometriosis oh. it's not perfect so the best way to check for endometriosis is keyhole surgery you don't need keyhole surgery (laughs) but uh, this is the gold standard for checking for endometriosis but another way is we do a blood test called CA125 and if it's raised it may indicate possibly there may be a possibility of endometriosis saying that though this level can be high in many other cases like infection yeah but um, certainly so far with your scans and and this level doesn't indicate that at all. Okay, okay which is good news. Good and of course, you do have immunity to chicken pox and German measles. And that's important when you try to do, get pregnant. I do. Because when yeah. I spoke to the GP, she said I didn't. To rubella? Oh, she said chicken pox. Oh, chicken, chicken pox. pox. Yes. So, so German measles, you do have. She gave me an injection for chicken yep. pox. Because it's weird though, because I've had chicken pox. But okay, yes. For whatever reason, is that right? Is it that I'm not? Well, no you, you, it's what you call equivocal, which is maybe, maybe not. That's right. So yes, there is some immunity there. Well, okay. I ended up getting a shot. Yeah, you did. Okay. And then I'm getting the next one. Okay. Next week. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make sure I'm yeah. on top of it. Yeah. It's always important to have to have before immunity to these okay. before you get pregnant. Yeah. Because if you did get pregnant and then you ended up with chicken pox then yes there'd be dire consequences for your baby really so but this is equivocal here so but you've got on had a vaccination so yep. that's good yep yeah Excellent. very important to to make sure that's all covered covered exactly yeah now the other thing i saw thanks for bringing it, you brought your scans in and the scans show that your uterus is about eight centimeters which is fine um, interestingly, they suggested that there's a septum what does that mean? in the uterus. It just means that there's a little area that just comes down inside the uterus. didn't affect you getting pregnant or no. delivery or anything. But, so what does, does, um, would it normally maybe affect fertility? Sometimes it can. Mm. It's associated with a slight increase in miscarriage. Really? Yeah, and early um, delivery. Oh, wow. So delivering no a little idea. bit earlier. Is that yeah. something that could have developed after I had... No, not at all. No, you're born like that. Oh, okay. So it's the way your uterus is formed when you were a fetus and your mum. Oh. But the next step is I need to check your fallopian tubes. Okay. So if we're considering intrauterine insemination with donor sperm... That's the UAI thing. That's right. With assisted insemination with donor sperm. Yeah. Then we need to make sure that your tubes are working. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it if your tubes are blocked. No. And there is a test that I can send you for called a Hycosi. Okay. It's uh, a test where you have a scan. Yeah. But at the same time, they put that metal speculum in the vagina. Remember, like, having a pap smear? Oh, okay. So right. it's like having a pap smear. They put that metal speculum in the oh, vagina. Oh, okay. And they pop a little tube, a little catheter 
into your cervix and they actually put some sterile water through into the uterus Ooh. and they scan you. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't take long. It takes about 15 minutes. Does it hurt? It feels a bit like period pain. Okay. So, yes. Oh. <laughs> I've never had it done. <laughs> honestly. But, yes, yes, I think it would hurt. I've had patients that come and say, no, it was a breeze. Yeah. And other patients say it was very painful. Oh, okay. So, if you've had a vaginal delivery, then you're less likely to have any discomfort because your cervix has already been stretched. Okay. But it can be a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. It doesn't last long. And what they do is they flush this fluid through into your uterus and it actually flows through your tubes. Wow. And they like, can a water, scan. like a little water fountain. That's right. And they can scan you <laughs> and they can actually see, you're right, like a water fountain, the fluid going through your tubes. <laughs> okay. And they'll tell you then and there, you know, if your tubes are open or not. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Because if your tubes are not open and they're blocked, then it means that the only way to help you conceive would be through IVF. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, that sounds good. Step. Perfect. We can also, this test will also pick up if, about the inside of the uterus. Oh, okay. If there is a, um, a septum there or not. Cool. Okay. Is, that a full, is this a full bladder ultrasound? They'll probably ask you to come in with a full bladder and then they'll tell you, they'll scan you, then they'll tell you to empty it. Okay. And then they'll do the test. Last time I did that, yep. I peed myself. Okay. That's all right. I'm sure they have women <laughs> pee themselves all the time. I was like, I'm going to have to reschedule. I no, no, don't worry. The people I send you to are really good okay. and they're all women. Okay. Okay. They're all women. <laughs> And many of them have have had babies and probably have peed themselves. So they did say that they were like, "You're not the first." So don't. Yeah, it's fine. Otherwise, all your other tests are fine. They're they're all they're all up to date. Great. So the next step is then just to work out whether my fallopian tubes are clear. That's right. And then it's kind of ready to go. Yeah, that's right. So. Either way, um, when it comes to our donor sperm program, um, we have a waiting list. Yes. And the only reason why we've got the waiting list is because there are more people wanting sperm than than we can. People donating it, basically men donating sperm. Um, And, of course, there's various quality, you could say, of the sperm. So Mm -hmm. we interview men all the time, and we're forever um, putting advertisements out Two men's associations and men's magazines and Facebook yeah. for men to consider donating sperm and helping, you know, giving hope to women and other and families to have a child. Yeah. And every fortnight we have a sperm donor clinic here in Sydney. Oh. And us doctors interview the men. Really? And so by law, uh, in Australia, there are quite strict laws in Australia with donor sperm. It's strictly um, <clears throat> controlled. New to, South Wales. Yes, and I wanted to ask you yeah. about that because you know how you said, is it that you don't know, you don't have access, but then when the child is 18, they is it they do or they can or only yes. if he wants to? No, no. So how it works, firstly, men who come to see us to donate sperm, uh, these are, this is their ruling and, and for all fertility clinics. They have to be reviewed by a physician, by a doctor. Mm-hmm. They must have count two lots of counts. Now, is that just for medical tests, or do you also check like if they seem like dodgy people or not? Both. Okay. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, so um, I would sit down and say hello to the man and interview. The first question I always ask is, why are you doing this? You know what you could do, yeah. Raymond, just mm. a side note, is set up a matchmaking service. <laughs> You're interviewing this man. You're speaking to loads of women. That's hilarious. But yeah, we do. And so we yeah. I always ask them, why are you, you know, what are your yeah. reasons for doing this? And more than often, they say, well, it's because, you know, I've, Either I've been lucky to have children myself and I've had so many friends wanting to own a sperm, many of them might be gay women or mm. single women. And I thought, you know what, I could be out there helping. Mm. And that's a very common reason, mm. actually, why the men come in. Um, yeah, Someone to think that there are little mini-me's running around yes. as well. That's another reason. Not as common, but that's, you know, another reason. It's a little narcissistic. Oh, a little bit, yes. <laughs> And um, some are fathers already, yep. and some are not, and some think they may never be a father, but this is another way, possibly. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to identity, so firstly, men must come and be interviewed by a doctor, and we do assess them. We take a, a really long medical history, yeah, um, especially a psychiatric history, because... And how do you know if it's right? Like, does everyone always know their medical history? Yes, if okay. they don't, yeah. Most of me are if they're adopted, but no, if they had asthma yeah. when they were a child or, yeah. Yeah. or a heart disease if they're okay. a child or anything like that, they know all that. But it's not like that maybe their extended family stuff? Possibly not, okay. no. Yeah. But we go through it thoroughly yeah. um, and we go through a psychiatric history. We ask questions like, have they ever been in prison or have they ever had sex with another man? You know, there are quite strict questions that we go through. But are some of them gay? Can they be gay? Yes, they can be gay, and some of the men are gay. So what's that? Is that just like a HIV test? We, we test for everything. Oh, okay. So once they've been interviewed, and they seem to be fine. Yeah. The <laughs> Not next. Dodgy. That's right. The next step would be that we would then go and do a series. They would then go see the implications counsellor. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. So they see the counsellor next. Um, who goes over all the implications related to law. Mm -hmm. And so the law states that any man donating sperm, their name goes down in the New South Wales. This is for New South Wales. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be different for Victoria and the ACT. Okay. And Western Australia and all that. But um, in New South Wales, the man's name goes on a register. It's a private register. No one gets to see it. Now, is that just a register? Because this is one of my questions. Yeah. Was, is this just a register for IVF Australia, or is this like across the board? Like, no, it's across they... the board. Okay. So the, the government has this for all men donating. Okay. In New South so they Wales. can't like go to IVF Australia and then go to some other company. They do, <laughs> but then they get knocked the, back. Not necessarily. No, some men may have gone to one place, um, but how it works is. Uh, we can only use sperm to create five families. And that's across all And that's across all organisations, okay. yes. Yeah. That's right, across all So if you guys use one batch for, say, me, yes. then that will go to that register, and then if there's another IVF company and they use another batch... That would be noted. That would be noted. That's right. Yes. Okay. So how, I must say, I've okay. never seen that. Yeah, normally it's just Yeah, one. I've never seen that. You think it must be a pretty loopy man to yes. want to go... <laughs> different companies um, and it wouldn't be worth his while and the reason yeah, is because okay. it's actually so they're made aware of this we are that's right yeah, yes so it would be picked it. up yeah. no so it's unlikely that would happen but okay. um, we don't want that to happen but yeah. that can happen but it'll be picked up by the New South Wales yes. registry okay it would so 
Had we go down twice, and they'd better be picked up with that person. Yeah, it would. Okay. So they go and have implications counselling. It talks about the registry. Their name goes on it. It's private, so no one gets to see it but the government. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason for that is any children born from that man's sperm, <coughs> you're right, they have the legal right to know who that person is. So they do when they're 18? They do when they're 18. So and they would write into the government and... They would get told a name. That's right. And that yes. is 100%? Like, yes. there's no, no, he didn't... No. He didn't... No, all men who donate okay. sperm know that there is a possibility that they will be contacted. Okay. By their children, by their, you know, by children of their genetics. Yeah. Basically. Okay. But okay. only when they're 18. Only when they're 18. That's yeah. correct. And so this is all discussed at the counselling with men. Okay. Um, they're only allowed, we only create five families. Mm-hmm. So you might be considered one family. And in that family, you could have as many children as you like, but you're just one family. Yeah. And so when it goes up onto, when you go in to log in to choose your donor, it'll tell you if that man has already created families and how many families. Ah, okay. So you'll know that. Okay. Actually, that was yeah. one of my other questions as well. Um, when you get to the top of the waiting list, yes. Um, does that mean you have access to the database or it's just like, here's like a, here's a choice of five? Yep. No, you get access to the database. Okay. You do. Um you're a single woman yeah. at the moment, so it would be all men who are happy to give Donate. sperm to anyone, okay. including single women. Right, okay. There'll be a few men out there that tick a box and say, I actually don't want my sperm to be used By a single for, woman. for a single woman. Right. And so you won't be shown those men. Okay, cool. Does that mean? So we're not going to waste your time with those no. men yeah. that you can't access. But otherwise, yes. And if you don't like... Um, those men in that database you don't have to choose that you can wait for the next lot of men to come through quarantine and so what happens is when men are agreeable and decide to donate sperm and everything we've done through, gone through all the testing um, we then get their sperm and we quarantine it for six months mm-hmm. so that's the law mm-hmm. and prior to quarantine we do hep B, hep C, HIV and syphilis and gonorrhea and chlamydia um, and then just before the six months, we would repeat all those tests again. Okay. Okay. And if they're all clear, then we know that his sperm can be released for use. And then so there'd be a new intake, basically, right. of like how many donors would you say? It really varies. So on, we might see anywhere from about five men every fortnight. Okay. But so it really varies sometimes because yeah. some of them might see gentlemen and they not be, may not be appropriate. Yes. So sort of certain uh, donors that we don't take might be donors who are over 45, so we don't take donors over 45. Mm. And the reason for that is there's a slight increased risk of when men become older of um, Asperger's syndrome and autism. Oh, really? So we don't take men over the age of 45. Okay. Um, we don't take donors who have a significant psychiatric history either. Yeah. So, or they may have a significant <clears throat> sort of medical history. Yeah. Um, or we think that they might be a bit mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe not. <laughs> we don't think they're appropriate, and we think, look, um, and we're very kindly, you know. Yeah, obviously. Just say, yeah. Look, thank you so much for considering, but you know, may not be the best yeah. option. Yeah. Um, 
and then those men that do go through, uh, we do all the genetic testing on them. Mm-hmm. So we look at their chromosomes, we test them for cystic fibrosis, and we do the whole sort of 500 gene wow. testing now, mm-hmm. which does increase the cost. Yeah. It does increase the cost, but we're checking for everything. And it, yes. We are. So you're getting real quality. You're getting quality. Well, at least we know. We know. Does that make sense? We, we know exactly what sort of genes, gene profile yeah. those men may have, and you're told, we're told about it. So Maybe. if there is anything like if he's carrying the gene for cystic fibrosis, then we, you need to know that we need to check you for cystic fibrosis. Okay. Okay. Um, how do you know, this is going to sound a bit weird, like how do you know that the sperm that they're giving you is from them? Like how do you know they're not bringing in a container of some, something else, yeah. someone else's sperm? Well, they're not allowed to bring any in. We actually, when they're there, they do it, here. They do it in the room. And we've got men's rooms. Right. And that's how that works. We give them a cup. Yeah. And there's no chance that they could just, like, smuggle someone else's sperm in. Well, I'm a sub, never heard of that there's well, I suppose that is that potential I've never seen that happen yeah um, but we do give them the cup with the, their name on it yeah so it's actually got their name on it yeah I think the scientists would probably know yeah because sperm maybe they take a well, do they take a blood sample as well or we can't check like that right. sperm to blood sample but sperm fresh sperm that had been done just then in the room mm. in the sperm donor room <laughs> <laughs> um, would look different to sperm that's been carried in a couple of hours earlier. Does oh, that make sense? Okay. Probably, yeah. I would say. The, liquef- the liquefaction would look yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. Okay, mm. cool. Um, okay, can I ask you my other questions? Yes, okay. far away. Um, so, when you, so as you, when you were saying that if you don't like any of the sperm... Yeah. Um, ..and you just wait for the next round... Yes. ..so you might wait six months? It wouldn't be six months... No, the um, oh, just because they yeah because there's men coming through all the time yes, in the quarantine, okay. so it may be like another week or it could be three weeks for the next lot to okay. come through. What happens if you get to the top of the list and you say, "I'm not quite ready yet. I need another three months." That should be fine. So that's fine. That you should be fine. You don't have to go to the bottom of the list. You don't go to the bottom of the list. You, you we like you to choose within the first three months. Yeah, and because there are other people waiting waiting. does that make sense if you have a good reason um you don't go to the bottom of the list which is like six months later yeah but you could say look um you know um, work commitments and all that sort of thing and or i've got to go away or whatever yeah um and so is it can i please put this whole put this off completely for so at least we know yes and give us sort of a, a date like you know june or july or something like that okay because I guess at the moment my main hesitation yeah. is like it's my only hesitation really. Yeah. Like I want to, I really want to do this, but I feel like I don't know. It's kind of sad. I know that if I do this, I'm really closing the door to having a, a, a baby with a partner. Really, like it's unlikely to happen. You know, because then I'll be even older, and already yeah. the whole reason why I want to do this now is because it's unlikely to happen anyway. Yeah. But um, I don't know, like part of me just thinks, do I just give it six months and just give dating my all? Yep. You know, and then yeah. go on the list? Yep. Because I don't know if I can be on the list knowing. Yep. It's a mindset thing. It do you is know a mindset. What I mean? like, totally, yes. I need to either be in it or be in the dating. I, can't, I feel like I can't be in both. Yeah, I know. It was a bit hard <laughs> when you meet know. a man and say, by yeah. the way, I'm just going through donor <laughs> sperm insemination at the moment. That would scare him away, wouldn't it? <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> totally. Look, a so lot. Of, or is know, that something that's covered when you go? It is. With a it's covered. That it is. So when you, yeah, it is. When you see the counsellor, yeah, they'll go through all of that. Yeah. Because, I'm sure that's because it's called it's called implications counselling. What are the yeah. implications of this and the implications of that? And definitely, they'll go through all of those questions and concerns yeah. to give you a bit more clarity. Yes. Okay. Does it make sense? Because yeah, th- those are real concerns. Yeah. And many women say that. Look, I still want to meet a nice man, but I know my time's running out. Yeah. And I'm worried that I'll never be a mum. Mm. Um, and so should I get just delve in and, and do the donor sperm? But then it could be, you know, <clears throat> stopping me meeting yeah, the man of my life, basically, yeah. my part, my life partner. Well, you're just putting it on hold, I think. Like, yeah. you're at least going to put it on hold for a few years. Anyway. Yeah. Well, other options then would be freezing eggs yes well that was actually my next yeah. question is that an option it is an egg option freezing. yeah but i guess it's a bit more of an intrusive procedure it is so egg freezing <clears throat> is an option where you just freeze your eggs so there's no sperm attached to it yeah um and then just stay on ice at okay. that age so your age now 36 is 36 so if you went and did ivf and we took your eggs out and we put them on ice they stay 36 years of age and, and the theory is that when you meet the right, your, person. The right person, and if we can use that's you right. Can. If you get together and we can use his, if you can't conceive naturally mm. with him, those eggs are on ice that you could potentially use thaw out. We use his sperm to try and fertilise them, create embryos, and put an embryo back into your uterus. It's not a hundred percent guarantee. How at all. like yeah? How does the, does the quality of the egg... I mean, is it likely? I heard ages ago that if you fertilise it with an embryo... Oh, sorry, if you make it an embryo, is that what it's called? Yep. Then it has more chance it of does. survival than Correct, an that's right. Okay. It has more chance. So if you create an embryo that's five days old, then the chance of it in planting is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at about <clears throat> a 35% chance of conceiving with an embryo Whereas per egg, you might be looking at something like about 5% per egg. And really? So we'd like to have at least 10 to 15 eggs frozen Shit. to give yourself a good chance. And I'm releasing one a month. That's right. So does that mean every month I have to come No, so it involve, you do it once, it involve an IVF procedure where we give you hormones to grow your eggs. Oh, okay. And then in one go, we actually remove your eggs and then we okay. freeze them. Right. So it's like a two-week treatment of hormone injections, and then we would take your eggs out, which is a 20-minute procedure, and put them on ice. You go on, you can be sedated, or you can have a light anaesthetic. Okay. Yeah. And how much is the egg freezing per year? Do you pay per year? You do. So when you do egg freezing, because it's an IVF procedure... Oh, you Obviously, pay for the IVF. That's right. You pay for the IVF. Yeah. Um, and then to freeze it, you're looking at about 400 dollars every six months so you might be looking about eight hundred dollars oh, a not year too bad. So yeah to like keep it frozen a year or something oh god like, no no yeah. <laughs> not, not to keep it frozen no no not at okay. all okay no. all right cool but that's another alternative you know it would be freezing eggs rather than going down the donor yes. sperm route yes yeah it is something to think about mm. all right so i think you've answered all the questions so let's talk what's the next step then well the next step would be to check your tubes okay so let's do that okay let's organize that yeah do you think i should 
get an appointment with one of those counsellors I do. I think before I get on the list? I do, yeah. I think it might just save you worry, you sleepless nights, mm -hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. It'll maybe help me with my decision. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and our counsellors are great. Yeah. You know, they've been trained, they've been doing this for years. Yeah. They'll probably even have a hundred other questions you hadn't even thought yes. about, you know, <laughs> and bring that up as well. Okay. So do you think I should do one appointment before I go on the list and then, because yep. you said there's two. Yeah, there's and two. And then do the yep. second appointment I like do. I after? Think, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Is that what people normally do? Or? Yeah. Um, it really varies. Most people come through have made, made a decision. decision. They yeah. have. Um, it's occasionally people go and probably I'd say about 10% of my ladies would go and see the counsellor first. Yeah. Okay. Before deciding to go on the list. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> now, what are the... If I wait six months to go on the list... Yep. It's fine. That's okay? Yep. It's not medically, like, going to put me into no. any... Not a bad place. No. What would be the latest time that I would want to try and, well, if I guess. Don't leave before 30, don't, after 37, probably 37, 37. onwards. So yeah. when I turn 37 next year, yeah. I want to be at the sort of the top of the list or I want to get myself on the list by then at the latest? Probably be at the top of the list. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking thinking. at 36 and a half. Yeah. I have to make the decision. Yeah. Okay. Right. I know female age. <laughs> Sorry? Female age is, is the biggest factor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said it was a, currently, it's a six to eight month list? The That's wage? right. So it's about a six month wait, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do feel kind of 80% confident, but it is just that small part that's like, it's sad that you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Anyway. Men need, men need to get off their ass. I, know. I, think. I talk about it with my girlfriends all the time. I'm like, we're like normal, yes. like nice women. Yes. We're all the nice guys. There are lots of nice guys out there. Yeah. There are. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. want to commit. I'm, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We just start interviewing, interviewing men, asking them how men think. Yeah. About it all. Yeah. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? It would be. Because yeah. I just see so many women coming through, mm. absolutely marvellous women, you know, mm. who are having difficulty finding mm. a right person. Mm. Now, okay. this company I think are really good. Okay. They're all women. Yeah. Some of them have had this test themselves. Is this for the ultrasound? It's yep. for that special tube test. Okay. So it's called a tubal patency or high cosy test. Okay. It's, it needs to be done at a certain time in your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be done within the first 10 days of your cycle. So from the beginning of your period. Period being day one. Period okay. being day one. So you ring so up. Wait till maybe, so ring up when I get my period. Ring maybe. up when you get your period. Yeah. And you go, hello, I've got my period. I want to book in for a tubal test. Okay. Um, and they will give you like seven days <laughs> later. So <laughs> Hi, I've got my period. That's right. Well, you don't have to say that, but they're going to ask <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you say I want to book for a tubal test, the first thing they're going to ask you is when, when was your yeah, last period. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, yeah. and then I'll, okay, so I'll get that booked yeah. in. And they're different places. They're all really good. Okay, cool. So, and you can ring up and see all the different addresses. Amazing. Yeah. All right, okay. so I'm going to do the test. Yes. And what about the counselling? Yeah, and I'm going to get Donna to give you the card for the counselling. You can book in and at the front desk. And I don't desk. need a referral. Oh, no, you don't need a referral. Okay. No. And that's yeah, here. Yeah, that's here. Amazing. Yeah. 
So then do I need when do I need to follow up with you? Yeah, well look, how about once we once you're seeing the counsellor? Yeah. How about, yeah. How about in about a month's time? Yeah. Or maybe even like Or later. Maybe even what are we in now? May. We're in May. May. Uh, so in, I really need to make this decision probably in the next three months. Yeah. So why don't we say yep. three months? Okay, then it'll perfect. Because either perfect. go yep. ahead. That's good. Or yep. not go, like, I think so. I don't know. What do you reckon? Yep. Thing. All right. So that's it. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll give you these results. Okay, you t- Okay, so I've come out of my appointment. I'm back at home now. Um, as you know, I took you with me. So you heard the appointment that I had with Raywin. And I feel like it's a really good option, I guess, to yeah speak to the counsellor before I decide to go on the list. I mean, it's such a personal thing and everyone really can make their own decision. But I think for me, as I said in the appointment, it's, it's a mindset thing. And if I put myself on the list, I feel like I'm not allowing myself to be open to dating. I'm basically saying to the universe, like, nope, I'm waiting for my sperm donor pretty much. And I just, I don't really want to do both at the same time. So I think speaking to the counselor is going to be very helpful for me because I really want to talk through some of those reservations that I have, which, I mean, really, it's the only one. And, you know, I said this to Raywin as well, but really the only reservation that I have is just that it's closing that door for me. And that is sad. That really does make me sad. But whenever I come out of my, like, speaking to Raywin, I feel really excited. And I feel like it's not so bad. And... Yeah, it does excite me, the prospect of doing this on my own. So I think the next step is I've made an appointment to go and get my tubal thing tested to flush them and check if everything's flowing. And then I've also made an appointment to see a IVF counsellor, or I shouldn't even say IVF because I hopefully wouldn't need the IVF option anyway I could do the IUI but you know the sperm donor kind of process I guess counsellor because I do want to talk through my reservation about it and my kind of I don't know I guess it is sort of like a bit of a grieving process to really come to terms with the fact that it's never happened for me and I always thought I always thought I'd have a big family you know I was making me kind of teary thinking about it but like yeah I just I always thought I'd have a big family a big a loving partner a really great solid happy loud family with four kids you know and I've got it all I've got pretty much all of it I've got a lovely beautiful loud family with my daughter and I I'm just missing the partner and the rest of the kids (laughs) and now suddenly time has has kind of crept up on me and it's a matter of having to make a decision quite soon on whether I want to go ahead with this so that I have the best chance of conceiving. So that's where I'm at. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk to the counsellor, get my tubes flushed. (laughs) I'm sure that's not the technical term. And then I'm going back to see Raywin in three months. So I'll go and see her in August of this year And I think I'm going to tell her my decision. So hopefully three months is enough time to sort of, I guess, decide what I want to do. And, you know, in the meantime, maybe I will throw myself into dating for the next three months and see what happens. I don't know. 
I don't know. I think I'll speak to the counselor and then I'll kind of go from there maybe. But yeah, I want to see Raywin in three months. I'm hoping my plan is to give her my kind of thoughts on where I'm at and how I want to progress, I guess. And we'll go from there. Okay, it's me here in the present day, February 2020. Gosh, it's weird, you know, I haven't listened to that since I recorded all that stuff and since I had the appointment and weird. It's really weird to listen back on. And one thing that I realized is that I tend to ramble a lot. So I apologize for that. (laughs) I think I said the same thing so many times. But I guess something that I wanted to reiterate is this is really like my thoughts as they are playing out. It's kind of like a diary, if you like. So I'm about to play you a clip from after I had my counseling appointment, which was the next month. It was on the 12th of June that I recorded this clip. And it's literally me just you know, talking out my thoughts. And I actually find that very helpful. And I've got to say, like, thank you to you for listening and being a sounding board for me to actually voice my thoughts. And that is really what I wanted to share. I wanted to share my thoughts as they were happening because I realized that this is a huge decision. And I've been in touch with several people who've been thinking about doing this. And I think being a single mother should not hold us back from doing something like this. And if we want more children, why should our relationship status determine whether we have more children or not? If we are able and capable and financially able to have more children on our own, I don't see why there's a problem with that. And I guess that was my whole intention of sharing this journey because I wanted other women to feel like it's okay you know, like there's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing to be ashamed of and that it is an option. So having said that, I'm now going to play the next clip, which was, as I said, the one I recorded after the counseling session. And I do apologize for rambling, but like I said, it is me just, you know, talking my thoughts out. It's only five minutes. So I'm going to play that for you now. So I just finished my compulsory appointment with the counselor and I think it went quite well there were a few things that I really wanted to talk through with her my main thing really is that I guess it's it's grieving the fact that I may never have a child with a partner I find that really hard to get my head around and I got a bit emotional when I was talking about it with her and so that's one issue like I go from being really excited to doing it on my own to going but I'm never going to experience having a child in a loving relationship. I'm never going to experience pregnancy in a loving relationship. And I find that really difficult. The other thing that I found hard and that I really wanted to talk with her about was how I explained to that child why it doesn't have a father and my daughter does and why she gets to have time with her dad and she flies to Perth and spends time with him and this child wouldn't have that. And I guess something that the counsellor kind of explained to me was that there's no guarantees in life. How do I know that, say I was to get into another relationship and it didn't work out and then this person didn't even want anything to do with their child, then I would have to explain that to the child you know, I mean, it's unlikely, but there's just no guarantee. And I already knew that, but it was very nice to have it kind of reaffirmed to me. And it made me go, yeah, there are no guarantees. Nothing is certain in life. 
And she said, you know, IVF children are really wanted. They are really planned for. They are really thought about carefully. It's a, it's a big decision. And that's what you kind of have to keep explaining to the child and coming at it from the angle of honesty and truth and why that child is in the world. And I thought that's a really good way to kind of look at it, I guess. The main thing for me was just going, okay, if I have a child through IVF or through sperm donor, I'm just, I'm never going to have that picture that's in my head come into fruition. And I know something else that the counsellor said was that there will always be a part of me that grieves that. And why wait? Because (laughs) if I want to, kind of get on with it and I'm doing this because I don't want to delay having a child why am I even waiting putting myself on the wait list so she did make a good point because I wanted to wait a few months so yeah we just kind of talked about that really and about my life and how I would imagine a new baby kind of fitting into that life and how I would make it work with work and um, how my daughter feels about it. (laughs) She was funny. She was like, have you told anyone about your plans? I was like, yeah, I've told a lot of people. (laughs) I was like, my family knows all about it. My friends, I I have a podcast. I've talked about it on there too. (laughs) It's definitely not a secret. That's for sure. And I think it's, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm being open about it even though I am sharing this a little bit after the fact, but I plan to share it soon. I just, I guess I want to just delay it a little bit because I know I'm going to get judgment. That's what she said as well. She was like, a lot of people will judge you. A lot of people judge single parents by choice. They call them selfish, you know, and I might get that too. I'm not too concerned about that, but I do know that people will probably tell me their opinions about it. And I kind of wanted to be, confident in the decision that I make before I get everyone else's opinion if that makes sense yeah so there we go it's a lot to think about um where I'm at right now I feel like I have to accept the fact that maybe my life just hasn't turned out how I imagined it would be and the counsellor said like you know, we all have these ideas of how our life is going to turn out. And this can start from when we're kids, right? So you might even know, like when you're a kid, you might have been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a boy first and I'm going to have a girl. There's going to be this much age gap. Like we have it all sorted. And it's a little bit heartbreaking when it doesn't work out like that. But I guess I'm already a little bit of an expert in that area because as we all know, no one plans on becoming a single mum. That's not exactly in our life goal. We don't go, hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be a single mum. And this was something that I never anticipated really happening in my life either. But I do also think it's the way of the future. And I guess I have the advantage because I already know what parenting is like. I know I can do it solo. That's not a worry to me. I guess, yeah, my main concern is coming to the acceptance of that it has come to this and also explaining it to that child and yeah that those are the two biggest things I struggle with but I'm really glad I talked it out with her this morning and I think I'm kind of ready to go 
Okay, Julia here again, present day, February 2020. You know, I've got to tell you, it's really weird listening back to all of this because I remember all of this so clearly. I remember I was excited. I felt like the decision had been made. I was feeling really good about it, you know, like initially I thought I was going to go back to see Ray within August and get myself on that sperm donor wedding list. And then I kind of pushed it to November because I had a lot of work things coming up. I was going to Necker Island. I just wanted to take a bit of extra time to think about it. And I just felt like there was something holding me back going, just wait until the end of the year. Don't do it just yet. And isn't it funny that I just, I met my boyfriend and everything changed. Like it just goes to show you never know what's around the corner. And that is a really good lesson for all of us. Like it's, it, it's hope, you know, like you never know what is around the corner. I don't know what's around my corner. Like who knows, maybe we'll break up in a month. I really hope we don't because I just adore that man. But you know, you just, you never know, you never know what's around the corner. And I just feel really confident in the universe having my back and whatever's meant to be will be, you know, and If that's having a baby with my boyfriend, that would be incredible and would make all my dreams come true. And if it's not, then, you know, it wasn't meant to be, but I feel confident in being able to do it on my own. And I feel, I feel good with that decision if that's the case, you know, and if that's what has to be. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm in a really good spot at the moment. I just feel happy. I feel like, I feel like I'm on the right path and I've just got to sit it out, you know, and just kind of see what happens. So I'm really excited, but I just wanted to thank you so much for tuning in today. I wanted to thank you for listening and for being a part of my journey. And I'm sorry if I was so repetitive and rambly. I just, I just, I really, I feel like this is a diary a lot of the time, as I said earlier, here I go repeating myself again, but you know, I do, I'd really talk out my feelings and um, I hope that it helps you as well. You know, that's, that's the main reason why I'm doing it. So I really appreciate you. If you wanted to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at singlemothersurvivalguide. If you wanted to check out some of the other podcast episodes or read my blog, just go to the Single Mother Survival Guide website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And on the website, there is also a link on the homepage if you want to join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum. And that is a Facebook group for us all to connect with each other. And that link will take you straight there. Just remember to answer the questions. I do look at everyone's profile and kind of do a bit of a stalking session because I really want to try and keep that group as safe as possible and we can carry on the conversation over there or on Insta. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. If you have enjoyed this podcast, as I mentioned at the start, I would absolutely love for you to rate this podcast in iTunes or whichever podcast app you listen in on. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be so amazing and it helps other single mums find this podcast and it helps them to, you know, they click on it and then they kind of have a quick squeeze at the reviews and they go, oh, you know, maybe I'll take the time to listen. And maybe that would be a life-changing decision for them. You know, maybe it's something that gives them hope and that is what I want. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey as always. I just love you. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Okay, bye for now.